keep on talking in the free world. Good evening, kind sir. Greetings and salutations. I want to say so many things and go absolutely crazy on so many levels. However, we're coming off the heels of an iconic Hall of Fame induction. And Norm, and I've said before, first of all, it's Friday. It's April 1st, 2022. Yes, it is April Fool's Day, but today, it, like... We're coming with non-stop realness for all WWE fans worldwide. This is Talk That Talk, the official live fan reaction call-in show, 30 minutes before and immediately following every SmackDown on Friday night. And tonight, of course, we're on the road to WrestleMania. We've approached the end of the road, and we're in fact at... I guess you could say WrestleMania SmackDown. We all have our thoughts and feelings about it being coined that. But regardless, we're here. And it's magnificent. I loved every single second of it. And phone lines are always open. Myself and Darren are always here to talk about what transpired throughout the show. But most importantly, we're here to take calls and get everyone's thoughts and feelings about the show. Now, this is a time where I've always said that I wanted to speak about what we just immediately saw and then backtrack from there. And this is what I want to do. And normally I would go into, you know, everything that I thought about it and then, you know, throw it to you. However definitely out of respect for yourself is that listen i love we both love wrestling i think i can speak for both of us we both love wrestling with all of our hearts and uh i love undertaker no question one of the greatest of all time and i love undertaker so much however i defer to you because i know that undertaker is your number one and certainly you're up there for one of the biggest fans of undertaker in the world so instead of me reacting first or going on first about what we just witnessed from the undertaker i'd love to be able to throw it to you get you to you know introduce the segment of the show and then give your thoughts and feelings Bring us all the way through everything that was going through your mind for The Undertaker. And sorry, one last thing I just want to say to everybody out there. And I say this because, you know, there's lots of... We're all wrestling fans. And we all have our favorite superstars. And we've all been watching wrestling. You know, some of us are older, some of us are younger. But all of us that are diehards, we've been watching wrestling since we were young. And it's near and dear to our heart. And we're unapologetic for that. And so... But we do all have our favorites. And, you know, there's many, many uh, people out there who The Undertaker are their favorite. And we're fortunate enough to have Darren in the house, who is one of the biggest Undertaker fans that is walking planet Earth. So without further ado, please, Dangerous, Darren, Davis, take it away, my friend. You know, Ann, there was... A lot of a lot a lot of emotions in that in that tonight. Um, you know that gong, especially going off. You gotta love it. The statues behind him of all the different outfits. You gotta love it. Um, 
you know, everything that he, he spoke about tonight, you know, you just sat here, I just sat here and I, and I listened to him and uh, just the, uh, you know, it, it, the, 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 the love that he's got for that, this business, this company for Vince himself and for all the people that he fought, that list was fucking gigantic of the names that, that Vince, that Vince spoke about tonight. Um, you know, for the, for the fact that Vince put him on a float for a parade for hours and he just had to stand there or for the cemetery that he was there for five hours in freezing cold rain, you know, but what really got me and you could see the emotion is when he came out, he got in that ring and the hug that he gave to Vince, you heard the, I love you. And you could tell that Vince cut the fuck out of there as fast as lightning. Cause you knew it meant a lot and you knew Vince didn't want to be seen crying. And I think it went for a lot of us, but the, the one thing that really got us all was that ovation at the beginning of him. That was, that was, there's no words to describe that ovation from just the, the superstars and the, and everybody at the top of the ramp to that entire crowd, the chance of undertaker. Thank you. Taker. You deserve it. Everything. It, it, it was phenomenal. Um, I can't imagine though him playing basketball when he said that I, I chuckled to myself and only the thoughts that, no, you. I, I couldn't see that happening. And the stories that he told, it, it felt like I was, like, it, it didn't feel like a Hall of Fame ceremony speech that you would normally see from everybody else. I felt like I was at a, at some kind of, you know, I don't know, meeting or something like that, the way he held it. And I thought it was fantastic. Um, WrestleMania 25, Shawn Michaels, 15 minutes. 15, that's all you gave them. I can't believe that. And I was shocked when I heard that news. Um, this man is going to be missed by many. Uh, I know I'm going to miss him one hell of a lot when it comes to him because I know what he can do. I know what he's done for this business. And there, there's no one going to be like him ever. And we thank Vince. We thank him for all that he's done for us in 32 years. And I don't know, but I got a little happy there at the end when he put that jacket on. He put that hat back on. And the two, three words that he said was never say never. And if there's anything that would make me happier is either tomorrow night or Sunday night. That gong goes off one more time, and he walks down that ramp, and we see the Undertaker tombstone pile drive somebody one more time, and uh, I, I thank him. We we appreciate the work he's done, um, you know. And like he said, the match with Shawn Michaels it was fantastic. The matches with Triple H were fantastic. And the story that, and you know, and and the the love that he gave to Stephanie McMahon, saying that she's, you know, not a big brat, she's a bigger one, out of the WWE, you know, and it's she's like the sister that he never wanted, you know, and then his family. Congratulations to him, by the way, on having another child. Like, who thought that was ever going to happen? Um, 
but you know he will be missed. I could go on for hours about this man. I really could because he's one of the greatest, and he deserves all he gets. And they really need to um, get better rings. Is what I'm going to end that with, Mister Shane. You may step in now, sir, and 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 discuss with me this of Undertaker. Well, I appreciate it, and I mean, I feel the love in your voice, and uh, I really appreciate it, and I enjoy, you know, I have to say is that, you know, the Hall of Fame is, I loved the fact that Vince said in the introduction that including holidays, that the Hall of Fame night is his favorite night of the year. And, you know, it really speaks volumes for the love that Vince has for wrestling. And, you know, as I get older and, and I reflect just you know, upon my own life is that, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned through wrestling. And, you know, one of the biggest lessons is, is that, you know, wrestling is very divisive. It always has been very divisive. They're, they're like, it's very rare that you bump into someone and say, well, you know, how to, even back when I was a kid, you know, to a teenager, to a young adult, to now, is that, you know, and, you know, spanning all kinds of generations, it's very rare that you bump into someone and you say, well, you know, how do you feel about wrestling? Not that you're going to pose that particular question, but when wrestling comes up in the conversation, you usually get, oh, I got love. This is what you usually get. Oh, I loved wrestling growing up. I've kind of fell out of, I kind of lost touch and I haven't watched in a while, but I loved it growing up. You get that? Then you get, oh, I fucking hate wrestling. It's stupid. Who, anyone who likes wrestling is a fucking loser and a nerd and a geek. You get that? And then you get the people that I love with all my heart is that the people that grew up with this, love this. Why would you ever give up something that you love because of age? Unless it had a negative impact. I, I never understood that because of the perception of society or because of... Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you liked wrestling growing up, then what would make you not like it, uh, you know, continuing on? And everyone who says, well, you're a grown man, you love wrestling. Like, it's grown men that are wrestlers and they're performing. It's like we're loving life. Anyway, the point was, was that I really appreciated Vince making that statement. So before, now you know, Darren, I can talk forever. So the reason I say that is that uh, what I would love and I invite you to do, first of all, if you have anything else to add about The Undertaker, like until we move on to the next subject, I'd love to hear it. And then if you have said your piece for now, but as I go through my thoughts about The Undertaker's speech, if you have anything that you want to say or interject or add on, please interrupt me at any time. Because like I said, is that, you know, I, I love The Undertaker, but I love the fact that you love The Undertaker more than me. Meaning that, like, I love the fact that we're doing the show together and that here's someone who, you know, this is a very iconic moment. This is one of the most iconic moments in the history of wrestling. And then here we have on Talk That Talk, uh, we have someone who The Undertaker is at the top of their list. I love The Undertaker. He's not at the top of my list. That's no disrespect to The Undertaker. He's just not. But he's at the top of your list. So um, interrupt me anytime, okay? <laughs> so I gotta go back to my notes Darren 
Now, when are you still there? I'm here. Yeah. So, like I said, <laughs> the fact that Vince introduced the Undertaker speaks for itself. This is Vince McMahon. Like we can count on one hand how many times we've seen Vince McMahon in this type of expanded capacity in decades. You know, and and you know, we talked offline. The music, the walk, it's iconic. Vince was as proud as can be. And to see Vince McMahon walk the ramp to introduce The Undertaker and proud as punch to come down and do so, it, that if you didn't know anything about The Undertaker or anything about who was about to be introduced, when if you did know wrestling and you did know who Vince was and what he represented, that's all you needed to see. Whoa. Vince McMahon is doing the introduction. Anyway, Vince pumping his fist to the music and no chance his own music. Like you know, he was just so happy to be there. And we'll talk about this later on as far as, you know, this is the format. Now we can talk about after Smack like if it was after SmackDown and so on and so forth. We can get into that. But the point is is that one thing that they nailed is that wrestling above and beyond all sports, all entertainment, everything that's in the public eye, it truly is for the people. And we know that because the people are the ones who decide who succeed and who fail. And the business has to respond to the people. You can't force it down the people's throats. If the people don't want it, they don't want it. And if you want it, or sorry, and if you don't want it and the people want it, they will have it. Case in point, Daniel Bryan. So, um, to have this atmosphere and the WWE superstars, and no disrespect to them, they are where they should be. They're in the background until they come center stage. So, the people, all the WWE superstars who we love, you know, were the first ones to greet everyone coming down the ramp. And then to have the Hall of Famers be able to touch the fans and walk the ramp one more time and have their music kick off and, and have the whole entrance, which the WWE entrance is the be-all to end-all. And uh, they just had it so right. And then to be able to do it in the ring like you're cutting a promo normally with the fans in the background, the sign, it was just picture perfect. So, and again, I don't, I, I don't want to speak all night, but I don't want to rush either. I got to be honest. And I do want to, I do want you to interrupt me at any time, but you know, Vince, like I said, Vince introduced him, speaks for himself. And then, uh, I thought there were some great stories from Vince, like you said about, you know, the undertaker's dedication to the business and to Vince's demands and, you know, enduring, you know, all kinds of circumstances. And, uh, and, you know, Vince is like a proud father speaking about him, which was just great. And then exactly to your point, you know, how beautiful was that? Like, first of all, The Undertaker coming down, the gong hits, the entrance. It's iconic. It's epic. Um, I got to be This is not, you know, raining on the parade, but we I have to be honest, is that, you know, I was disappointed that he wasn't in The Undertaker outfit. I was disappointed he came out as himself. However, as he worked through his speech and he spoke about him as Mark Calloway, I got, and it's his moment. It's not our moment. It's his moment. We're there to appreciate it, so we have to respect it. So, like, I quickly dismissed that in my own mind. We got the entrance. And then, to your point, yes, you know, he told Vince, 
uh, of course, he was back on to us. I looked it up on the internet afterward, but you know, he was back on to us, the Undertaker. But clearly, Vince said, "I love you too," so you knew that the Undertaker initiated it. And then, exactly like you said, Vince was like, "I got to get out of here, man, because I'm about to break down in tears." That shows you the love, you know, and that's what it's all about. And and I did. So, like I said, I was disappointed that he wasn't in the Undertaker outfit. But then when we had the outfits in the background and he spoke about him as Mark Calloway, then it sort of all came full circle. I love the fact, the you know, when people give these type of speeches, you know, they can appreciate it and they can give the speech and, and everything is, you know, well written and heartfelt and what have you. But, you know, the devil is in the details. And... Uh, he came out with the mic. I don't know if this was lost on everyone, or maybe I'm the only one who noticed. I'm sure I'm not the only one who noticed. But the, he came out with the headset mic because he wanted to be able to walk around and embrace the moment and, and I think, I believe, be himself. And as himself, he, you know, he didn't make a career of standing behind a podium. He made a career of commanding an audience and being able to move around and, and be himself and move freely. And just the conscious, you know, decision to have the headpiece there and to be able to do that, that really struck a chord with me. That let me know that he, I know he, we all know he knows, but that he really recognizes just the gravity of the moment is that. You know, the outsiders can say it's only right. They can, outsiders can say whatever they want. We're the insiders. This is a massive, people flown all over the world to come and see WrestleMania. And this is a massive moment. This is The Undertaker. So he understood everything and he really embraced it. And he just, he did his part. Um, you sick of me talking yet? Oh, man, keep going. Okay, so because I, I, I can I just get started with in the intro. So the point is, is that uh, I really appreciated that, and that kind of, again, not that he anything was ever lost on him because he's been very respectful all along uh, f- toward the WWE universe. But that showed me right off the bat, like this is a this is a conscious reciprocation, and we only had fifty. We had a half hour, sorry, going into this. It was ten thirty. It was uh, eleven thirty going into this. And then, you know, I laughed because, you know, of course he went over and I laughed to myself thinking, you know, this isn't the Oscars, nothing to do with the fiasco that happened recently. I'm talking about this isn't the Oscars, meaning that, you know, you get played off by the music. Vince will let Undertaker could still be talking and we'd still be on the air. It's carte blanche. You do whatever you want from Vince McMahon as far as the Undertaker goes. Well, well, you also saw him check his watch, too, right? So I think I I think somebody gave him a signal like shut up already get off like i think somebody gave him a signal because you did see him closer to the end you know check his watch so obviously you know somebody has said something to him like okay you gotta you gotta finish this let's go you know you've been on for like an hour like let's get moving here (laughs) it's interesting you say that yes i did see that i have a note here i don't know what i put there but yes i put a note there about that but yes you're right he did check the watch um i loved that you know he, uh, to your point as well, I didn't know about the basketball situation. And it's kind of wild to hear, you know, think about him playing basketball. But, I mean, his height, you know, makes sense. But, yes, uh, it was the same thing. But when he was like, I'm graduating, I'm about, I'm about to graduate from college, you know, and he, like he said, he had lucrative offers. 
to play basketball and go overseas and what have you. And I, I would have liked to have heard, he said, my heart was already in wrestling. I would have liked, and, and this isn't me complaining by any means. And this is just me like, you know, being interested as a fan. I would have liked to heard, you know, and maybe he said this before, what got him interested in wrestling. If he was on that trajectory uh, toward basketball and, you know, he's a collegiate star and he had lucrative offers, like what made him fall in love with professional wrestling to begin with? I would have liked to heard that, uh, even if maybe he spoke on it before. But, you know, you always have to have people around you. You can believe in yourself. And, you know... What I take away from this, and, and I live by this, and I think sometimes I don't speak on it enough and that people might think it's wishy-washy or whatever. This is how we got to live our lives, man, is that, you know, and these are the moments when you see people that are fought, when you see people that have fulfilled paths in life that are not linear. They're not doctors, lawyers, teachers, nine-to-fivers, what have you, where they're a linear path. You do this, guaranteed, you get this, you make a resume, you apply, you do interviews, you will get this. These are not those paths. When you see those people, there's lessons to be learned, and there's nothing wrong with working a nine-to-five. However, there is something wrong with living a life doing something that you don't love. There's something wrong with that. If what you do and what you love and that encompasses a nine to five, then that's excellent. And that, you know, that's fantastic and you should be happy and grateful. And then if you're chasing something that you love and you're working a nine to five, then that is also something you should be grateful for because you can put food on the table and everyone should be respected. It's getting up and going to work. But what I'm saying, this is not, you know, degrading anyone doing anything other than that. It's just that there's a very big lesson to be learned when you hear people live in these type of lives. You know, and then when he said his brother said to him, like, you got to live your life. You got to follow your dreams. You got to follow your heart. You can't do what your parents wanted you to do. You got to live your life for yourself. Like, these are powerful, powerful lessons. I don't know why. There's a million things that come to mind. I don't know why this came to my mind. But, you know, I don't know if you watch Duck Dynasty or anyone does. And Phil Robertson, Uncle Phil, uh, Phil Robinson from uh, Duck Dynasty, you know, he was a collegiate superstar. He was the one playing for uh, his Division One NCAA football team. He was the quarterback. Uh, Terry Bradshaw was the backup. Terry Bradshaw spoke on this many times. Terry Bradshaw, four-time Super Bowl champion for the iconic Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s when they became who they are and the world fell in love with them like the Dallas Cowboys. And he couldn't get a look in. He was the backup to Phil Robertson. Phil Robertson was the man. And then he was recruited and begged by NFL teams to come and join them and money thrown at him back in that day, a lot of money. And, and Terry Bradshaw used to talk about Phil Robertson coming into the locker room, putting dead ducks in his locker, saying, I'm not going to the NFL. I'm quitting all this. I want to go. I, I, like, I love ducks. I'm going to chase this dream. And everyone just, was like, remember, do you know that story? No, but just to your Duck Dynasty, uh, I got I to gotta give my love to Cy. I love Cy. Uncle Cy talking about, that's what I'm talking about. Uncle Cy is the best. His his cup and everything. You gotta love. You gotta love Cy. You gotta love him. You gotta love him. I think we might have to branch off and do a little duck dynasty. We might have to do a little duck dynasty thing because you know you're speaking to my heart right now. I love Cy more than I can even express. I love Cy so much. I love all Cy's quotes. I love Uncle Cy. So. 
Yeah, you got you got to love Uncle Sai, man. If you don't love Uncle Sai, and I'm pretty sure there are people out there that don't love him, but you got <laughs> you know those people um, uh, dis- disrespectful there, man. You got to love Uncle Sai for for everything, man. That man is awesome. Agreed. He's one of the greats. One legend. Absolute legend. Another favorite quote from Uncle Sai. Now I'm way off the beaten track, but it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Off to the mall to get the new Cyrus Molly CD. <laughs> Do you remember that quote? <laughs> my humps, my humps, my lovely, lovely humps. Remember when he's quoting, <laughs> he's quoting Fergie? I got all the quotes. Uh, I love oh, Uncle Sai. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I'm going. I'm way. I'm just off. I'm gone now. Like, so. yeah, we're trying to get back onto the track here. <laughs> so, but my point is, is that for some reason, that's the first thing that came into my mind. And I mean, here's a guy on a trajectory to an NFL contract, and you're, you're a Division One full scholarship NCAA quarterback, and you're being offered you're being offered an NFL contract. So obviously, you're taking it. And then all of a sudden, like 180, you're doing what? And then gone. And then Terry Bradshaw, well, we know the rest, four Super Bowl rings. But, I mean, you know, then Uncle Cy, uh, sorry, Phil Robertson didn't become Phil Robertson to the world. He made money. But, I mean, he wasn't after the fame and fortune, but he bought all that land and made a career, and he was happy. The point is, is that he was happy. And then, of course... It exploded because of Willie, you know, and the next generation and, and the vision and what have you. But the point was, was that he was doing what he was happy. So the, the takeaway was, is that, you know, you get people in these positions and it was a very, it was a very thoughtful and it was a very thoughtful and inspirational, heartfelt speech that everyone could relate to. And I really appreciated him speaking about that uh, to your point about, you know, Stephanie and Shane. And, you know, what I love too, is that uh, Vince also spoke about when Vince rattled off to your point about the laundry list of the opponents that the undertaker had, that's a who's who of everyone in wrestling from the beginning of time. You know, yes, of course, you could go back even before the Hulk Hogan days. But the point is, is that even for the oldest of old and the youngest of young, that's a laundry list of everybody. Hulk Hogan, right up to modern era, like all the big superstars. He's been in there with everybody who's anybody. It's just unbelievable. And, and, you know, and the funny thing, too, was the, the whole fact that, you know, he says, you know, Vince says he loves me, but look at all the matches that he's put me in. Yeah. You know, casket yeah. matches, yeah. Hell in a Cell matches, Boneyard matches. Uh, you know, the list went on of all these deadly matches. You know, Inferno matches, and I just and I just had to chuckle about that because uh, I thought it was quite funny how, you know, it's true though. He he did put him in a lot of matches like that. Absolutely, and and, 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 and the thing is too. Sorry. No, you know, go ahead, please. If you uh, if you if you if you've ever heard the interview with him just recently that he did that I shared with you, um, he he talks about how he grew up um, in a lot of cemetery in a lot working in um, in the uh, in the uh, with with the caskets, you know, because that's where that's where his, people of his family work. So he was spending a lot of time with with caskets, you know seeing how they were built and all that kind of stuff to the point where he was even taking naps in the casket 
um, just as a child, never thinking that he would grow up to one day, you know, walking out of them or, you know, coming out of them like he did, you know, for his, uh, for his career. I didn't know that. And I haven't heard, so I know, and my apologies, I haven't listened to the interview that you sent me. I didn't know that. I mean, how amazing is that? Like full circle, right? And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just such a, it's just such a magnificent thing to see the impact that uh, one person can have. And then, you know, forgive me, I'm going to go back because I do want to go through everything is that, you know, when he spoke about the Godfather, people have mixed emotions about the Godfather. It was a very different time for better, or for worse. And uh, I like people being themselves. So, uh, again, like there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that, you know, who we are today is not who we were yesterday and times have changed and we live and learn and everything's a learning experience, but you can't run from who you are either. And so him acknowledging the Godfather and then said he had his back, lots of whiskey drinking and Jack Daniels. You know, these guys, it is not a glorious path to fame. It is not. And, I mean, he touched on it. And, I mean, just in life, it's not a glorious path to whatever the end is. It's hard work and dedication, and there's trials and tribulations. But of all things, you know, we've all listened to stories from, you know, miscellaneous people and what they've been through. Wrestling is, you know, it is a long road. And, you know, I'd stack that up there against any any walk of life. It could be the hardest road as far as following those type of paths. So it very humble, humble, humble road these guys are walking. And they all appreciate it. And they all say the same thing, is that the best moments are the locker room moments and on the road. Well, on the road is what they say. And in the hotels and in the bars and what have you. And then he shouted out um, Yokozuna. Uh Again, talking about traveling up and down the road and playing dominoes and drinking whiskey. Um, you know, you got a little bit, I think you got a little bit emotional there. You, you got a couple people that have passed away. Um, then he went to Kane. You know, I love the fact that he shed some light on the situation and talking about you got to call Mr. Mayor now and then talked about he stole all of his moves. I love the fact that he spoke about his father, of course. Um, he talked about uh, Shane. Talked about Bruce Pritchard. Of course, he talked about Shawn Michaels in the WrestleMania match. You know, he really highlighted everything. Uh, I like the fact that I'm assu- not. I'm assuming. I know for a fact. I mean, uh, I get. I, I don't know for a fact. I'm not seeing it, but just from their body language, everyone had teleprompters, and uh, which I, I I like because it's not like it's you know it's not like it's. Uh, not heartfelt or it's robotic it's that i've put a lot of blood sweat and tears and and a lot of effort into writing and constructing my thoughts and i want to be able to convey them in the moment and then that's what a teleprompter is for and then obviously they're not improving but they're adding you know things that come to mind in the moment but they have structure so i i I did appreciate the fact that there, there certainly definitely was a teleprompter there and um that's the way it should be because, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. It's 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 gone. After that, it's gone, and you don't want to have any regrets. You want to try to capture as much as you can. Um, 
trip. Oh, going back to Vince, you know, I got to say, when Vince was rattling off the list of people, there were some people in those lists, in that list that, you know, he's had fractured relationships with. Bray Wyatt, he mentioned. He mentioned, of course, his own son and Shane McMahon and so on and so forth. But the point was, was that when, if you notice Vince's body language, Vince's number one love is wrestling. So if you're a contributor to the product that is wrestling and that, you know, is the vehicle for everyone from Vince's love to the world's love for wrestling, then he has love for you. He didn't bat an eyelash and I was watching him because I knew he was going to rattle off some names that he had, you know, he was at odds with either at some point in time or currently, you know, Bray Wyatt and Shane being the most free. He didn't bat an eyelash. You know, he, he could see the love Vince's. You know, I mean, there's nobody in the world that loves wrestling more than Vince, obviously. So um, then he went to Triple H. You know, Triple H was stoic in his demeanor when they kept cutting the camera to him. You know, this is a life thing, right? Like, you know, we've talked about Triple H the other day. Triple H cheated death. We all know that. And he's thankful for it. And just the love and the memories that he has from The Undertaker. You know, these guys... These guys could tell us stories for, you know, Darren, for 10 years straight, probably 24 hours a day. Do you know what I mean? And then he talked about his children. He talked about his wife. Um, you know, it was great that she was there. To your point about, you know, he's got the little one going on. He's <laughs> got another one on the go, a little one. So, um uh, Talked about his parents again, kind of revisited that. I like the story about uh, his mom and Sid Vicious and him in Houston and, you know, his mom physically trying to get in there and they had to restrain her. I love that. And yeah. please. Yeah. But also, sorry, what also, uh, which also entertained me was the, the fan that yelled, I love you. And he goes, I love you too. The guy goes, I love you more. He goes, let's not yeah. have a love fest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like he's a wrestler. And then in the promo package, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. That wasn't the same promo package. That was one of my, remember when they rolled out that original promo package? I said, I don't want to see the same promo package. Was that the same one? I thought it was expanded. It was expanded. It, it had a lot of the same, but it was expanded because it wasn't that long. Exactly. Okay. So good. So I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, you know, forget that or remember that incorrectly. So I was happy about that. Um, you know, it's very telling that you know he thanked his wife, who he loves, of course, more than anyone in the world. But his wife wasn't the last one he thanked. The last person he thanked was Vince McMahon. Oh. Right, and rightfully so. Because yeah. without Vince McMahon, there is no Undertaker, and then there is no Michelle McCool, and there is no wife, and there is no children, and there is none of the life, and the, the journey is completely different. But it's also funny how, you know, he, he goes on about his wife, though, and how he says that, you know, there was two people she never wanted to meet. One was him, ah. and the other one was Kane. You know, and then... You know, she comes to find out that Kane is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and she ended up marrying the Undertaker. Yeah, it's great storytelling, right? It's just so good. Um, I really. But overall, you know, overall though, you know, the stuff he said tonight, and just you could see the emotions in his face, and the times that he had to pause because you knew he was trying to hold back the tears. Um, and you could really notice it during that ovation when he first came out. 
the, the universe and he thanked them many times. They were the ones that, you know, really brought the undertaker to life other than himself. And, you know, he was very appreciative of them tonight and you could see the tears were wanting to stroll down his face, but he held it back uh, a lot of times, which was, you know, you know, you can see that it, it, this is going to be hard for him to step away, you know, because he's done it for 32 years. Yes, and I love that emotion. Exactly, and I love the emotion, and I love people who wear their heart on their sleeve. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I like people who are who they are. I like people who you can see them coming a mile away. I don't like people who are mysterious or you know hard to read or feel for some reason that they have to keep everything you know under wraps i like people who are who they are wide open he's one of those people this is no i guess i'll wrap up yeah. i'm gonna i obviously want you have the i want you to have the final words on the undertaker because of what he means to you but I'm just going to, if you'll allow me, I want to take another five minutes and finish up my thoughts on this. I know I've talked for a while on this, but, you know, it's such an important and iconic moment in wrestling history that it deserves, you know, as much as we can say, right? Um, is that, you know, going back to Vince, I love the fact that he said Vince was, you know, that Vince took a chance on him and didn't have to when Bruce Pritchard put him in front of him, you know, that he became a friend, a father figure, a teacher, you know, uh, I love the fact that, you know, they started this boss's employee and ended this friends, thanked him for his friendship. And, you know, I also, again, I like the messaging. You know, he kept reiterating, you got to live your life for yourself, not for anyone else. You have to live your life for yourself. We got one life, Darren. That's it. It's over after that, right? Like there's no more kicks at the can. And that, you know, I think for everyone, uh, a lot, a lot of people, if you, you know, a lot, if you have the opportunity, time well spent is time well spent with people that are older. Time well spent or, or, you know, it's an opportunity, especially coming off, I'm getting way philosophical now, but time well spent for, for especially coming off the heels of what we've all been through in the world for the last two years, are in senior citizen homes, are spending time with people who have lived a life who have spanned many generations, not only could they use your company and then, you know, enjoy you coming to visit, but there's a lot to learn. And the point is, as heartbreaking as it is, there's probably a lot of uh, lessons to learn of what not to do, just as much what to do. Is that meaning that, you know, there's a lot of regret in a lot of people in the world. And when you hear people like this, you got to stand up and listen, no matter how young or old you are, and pay attention, because they're all giving the same message. You know, if anyone was paying attention to the Undertaker speech tonight, uh, like that message was littered with, you got to live your life and you got to be who you are and follow your dreams, and no matter what anyone says, because happiness is the ultimate goal. So I'll end with a couple things saying that, I love the fact that, you know, he gave us some catchphrases at the end with taking souls and digging holes and, you know, that he put on the outfit, uh, which, which was fantastic. There was one other thing I wanted to say that I, I kind of distracted myself about what he did that was, uh, oh, I'm so disgusted with myself now because uh, it eludes me now. There was something that he said that really resonated that I wanted to touch on before I uh, 
I don't know. Uh, 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 oh, this. Oh, this is what I want to say. Yes, I didn't take notes, and this just popped into my not popped into my head. But this is what I always. I've said this about the Undertaker many times. This is my final thought on this. This is no disrespect to Stone Cold or The Rock or John Cena or anyone else who's pursued anything in life. But The Undertaker, what I love about The Undertaker more than anything else about The Undertaker, and this, again, is not a knock on anyone else. It just, it's just purely coincidental. Co- it is coincidental. Coincidentally enough, the most iconic wrestling character in the history of wrestling also was somebody who didn't want to pursue other aspects and avenues of the entertainment industry. And again, it's not a knock on anyone else, but he just wanted to be, and it's not just, sorry, he wanted to be a WWE superstar and to thrive in the wrestling world and to enjoy it and ride that ride until, you know, it just ran off the tracks. And that's what he did. And that, in my opinion, just I know it's near and dear to Vince's heart and he created the character and what have you and, and Undertaker's loyal, didn't go to WCW. Vince, Vince touched on that as well. But that above everything, I think even though Vince didn't really say it, that to me is is where the real love is is that the undertaker all he wants to do is wrestle and vince only wants his wrestlers to wrestle although he doesn't hate them or you know uh prevent them from pursuing other avenues it was just a perfect storm that the perfect character and with the boss and the employee became friends and then whoa you mean you don't want to go off and do movies like everybody else you just want to wrestle for me oh my gosh it's a blessing in disguise it was just a match made in heaven that is what i love about the undertaker more than anything else is that he is wrestling from the beginning to the end and that is what i always love him for absolutely um you know there's a lot we could say we could talk for hours on this man um but what he said tonight i think you know we got a lot from you know he had a fantastic career he he fought so many so many so many talented superstars over his career he gave us monumental matches night in and night out some were better than others of course some i will never talk about um but overall what we saw of him tonight and the way he came out it it was a different it was a different person and you could see that you know he's he's becoming his own now and which was very nice to see as he's only known himself as the undertaker for 32 years so with that being said it was it, it's nice to see that he's he's starting to enjoy the family life he's starting to you know live a better life than he has been so kudos to him we wish him nothing but the best um, after all of this. And, uh, hey, if never say never means I get that gong one more time, I will take it. And I will run with it, and I will be for 
ever happy if I get it one more time. One more time. One more. One more time, my friend. One more time. Can you hear me? Well, I can. I can, and I thank you for that. I can't Uh, hear you. Darren. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Hello? Darren, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Did you hear my gong? I did. Yeah, I was. I've been talking to you the whole time. Oh, I, I something cut out. I think because I was putting in the gong, then it cut out my volume. When I said one more time, what did you say? Oh. Did you say yes? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I did. So I thank you for that. Um, but we're gonna take our evening of the Undertaker as much as we could talk about him for hours. And we're going to move ourselves on, and we will do one last talk about him at the end. But we're going to go all the way to the beginning of SmackDown. Uh, Just before, sorry, before, before, I, before you go on, we've been 46 minutes we've been talking about The Undertaker's uh, speech, by the way. And I could go longer, but we have other, other things we need to get on to tonight. All right, let's get to it. This is Talk That Talk, the official live fan reaction call-in show, often imitated, never duplicated. Phone lines are always open 30 minutes before and immediately after every Monday Night Raw, every WWE, SmackDown, and every pay-per-view event. Of course, this is a special edition after SmackDown and the Hall of Fame. And... We're going back to the top of the show after talking about The Undertaker for many, many minutes, and rightfully so. Take it away, kind sir. So we start off with the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I've said this many times. They need to put this back at WrestleMania. That's where it belongs. I don't care if you want to call it WrestleMania SmackDown, WrestleMania Raw. It's none of the two of them. And this needs to go back to WrestleMania. Um... And sadly enough, you know, Matt Hatter had to go and win it. So I was not impressed by that. Yeah, like, what are we doing here? With Shabby? And Brendan Schaub? Like, this is who's winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? The disrespect on so many levels. Exactly as you said, we've talked about this before. I'm not even... I I don't want to go off on a complete tangent on quote-unquote wrestle... Road to WrestleMania? Yes. The WrestleMania sign after Royal Rumble? Yes. Okay, even though I've had mixed emotions on that. 
WrestleMania Raw? Ugh. I mean, we could debate. WrestleMania SmackDown now? And then Hall of Fame piggybacked? And then now WrestleMania matches? Andre the Giant Battle Royal being one of them on SmackDown? It's too much, man. Way, way too much, buddy. It's too much. And, you know, you knew something was up when you had Happy Corbin saving, you know, Wasabi early a couple times. I got to say, I love the trophy. I, I love, I love the Andre the Giant trophy. I was never, like, Hulk Hogan was my, uh, my number, my, my number one, my favorite wrestler of all time is Macho Man Randy Savage. However, Hulk Hogan was my, I loved Hulk Hogan. Loved. Everybody. If you did, if you watch wrestling and you didn't love Hulk Hogan, you're a fucking liar. So, you know, but Andre the Giant played his part. So although I wasn't an Andre the Giant fan, I was a Hulk Hogan fan, like you loved Andre the Giant in some kind of weird way. So it's like, it's disrespectful, Darren. Like that that this is not on WrestleMania, right? Like, you know, and then and then we didn't even get the proper intros. Just hello, there everyone's in the ring. It's disrespectful, right? Yeah, no, it seemed like it was rushed, and I think it was because it was it was on the wrong show. It should have been on Sm- uh, WrestleMania, sorry, rather than SmackDown. And I think that's why we it was rushed because they don't have all the time in the world tonight because not only you know they had the all of SmackDown to do, and then they had to jump right into the Hall of Fame right after. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not opposed to having it on the WrestleMania kickoff show, but geez, you got two na- so it it should be on WrestleMania regardless. And now you have two WrestleManias now. You don't, there's no WrestleMania one and two. You got two WrestleManias. That's like let's call it like it is, as ridiculous as it is, so we can highlight the fact that it needs to stop. There's no such thing as WrestleMania day one and day two. You have two WrestleManias. And how can there be two WrestleManias when there's only one WrestleMania? It doesn't make any sense, right? It, it doesn't, and uh, it, it's annoying. It's a horrible situation, but we're just going to have to live with it as best as we can at the moment. Yeah, and you know what? Th- you know what? Thank you for saying that because the thing is, is that I, I'm the first one to say is that I said that I rant and rave, but once we're in the on the road to WrestleMania and then we're ramping up, then it's all love, and that's what it is. So forgive me. That's the last I'm talking about it. I'm not saying anything else about uh, my uh, gripes about uh, the structure. I'm not saying anything else. So thank you, Darren, for reeling me in there. Is that because I love WrestleMania more than anything in the world. And so once the and and the, we're talking about this and we have banter back and forth on matches that we like and we don't like and you know we're making predictions and you know this shouldn't be this way and so on and so forth. But I think we can all agree. You know, I've I've said this, you know, I've said this to you offline, I've said this many times, you know, it's hard for me to criticize it truly, even though I'm throwing my opinions out there, because wrestling can do no wrong in my eyes, because I love wrestling, right? Yeah, so, uh, sorry, just one last thing is that during that Royal Rumble, you know, we had Commander Aziz and uh, the Stanky Leg, you know, with the, doing the face-off, that was pretty cool. And then we had the Dirty Dogs trying to eliminate Finn Balor. Instead, you know, then Brendan Schaub comes in, eliminates them, and then he beats Finn Balor. So, I mean, I'll end with this. How? How? 
in the infamous words of Kanye West, how, Sway? How? Wasabi wins the Royal Rumble? What the? Yeah, I'm not sure how he wins that Battle Royal. Uh, I'll never know. I was not impressed by that by any means. Um, We're moving on to the Intercontinental Triple Threat Match. which was the for the title against uh, Los Lotharios versus Ricochet. I quite enjoyed this match. I thought it was very entertaining. You know, we all knew that Los Lotharios was going to turn on each other for a bit there, you know, because, you know, one of them wanted to win that title. You know, both of them wanted to win it, but they only knew that one could. But I thought it was very entertaining to watch, you know, high-flying, uh, fast-paced. I thought it was fantastic. I agree. I agree 100%. I thought it was a phenomenal match. Shout out Los Lotharios. The kiss cam is immaculate. Another lucky lady in the in the crowd. Congratulations. And, you know, full display of wrestling moves, high-flying acts, to your point. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, I've given Ricochet a hard time here and there. You know, there's something about him. I don't know. If, I wouldn't go as far as to say I don't like the cut of his jib my favorite saying but he's lacking he's lacking something but he's a fantastic wrestler and that was an uphill battle it was essentially a two-on-one the entire time wasn't a three-way it was a two-on-one really and he prevailed and um he ended up, you know, the 640 off the top rope and then into the recoil. Uh, and then with the pin, you know, Pat McAfee made a big deal about it. And right, rightfully so. I mean, it was a phenomenal finish. Going back kind of like me being trivial about the whole thing. Uh, like, I miss JoJo, man. Bray Wyatt. I love Bray Wyatt. But, you know, and I know that, uh, again, I'm off the rails now. And I know that people have lives outside of wrestling. But Bray Wyatt cheating on his wife with JoJo. And then now they have a family and everything. I wish them all the best. I hope that they're just right off into the sunset and everything's perfect. But it all rubbed me the wrong way. And then it took JoJo from us. And now we got a JoJo imitator. And there's no disrespect to her announcing. But it's all a fucking mess. And I don't like it. All right. Um, we're going to move on to which I'm not spending a lot of time on these WrestleMania uh, sort of stories that they did tonight as we are heading to WrestleMania tomorrow. So we did get a quick look at the Stone Cold Kevin Owens sort of thing going on here um, that we will see all of tomorrow. Well, actually, tonight we are past midnight, so we are currently at WrestleMania night one. Um so we do know that you know Kevin Owens is going to be going to the KO show with Stone Cold. I'm looking forward to it. Who's going to pull the best stunner? Who's going to pull the first stunner? Um, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that some kind of match turns out during it is what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I echo your comments. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be, I mean, you know, uh, there's only one Undertaker entrance. We've talked about this before. You could have the Undertaker entrance. He walks the ramp. He comes out, and then he leaves. And then everyone would be satisfied. So that tells you what his entrance is. Stone Cold, when that music hits, I mean, it's not the Undertaker's entrance, but it is pure chaos. And it really evokes a lot of emotion. So, you know... 
could Stone Cold do? I'm not talking about uh, WrestleMania, but in theory, could Stone Cold do his entrance and just walk out and grab the beers and smash them and leave and everyone be satisfied? Yes, he could. He could do that. Not saying he's going to do it there, but I'm saying is that's what that's the magnitude uh, of that entrance. So it. And the thing is that that entrance is going to be even bigger tomorrow night with it being in 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 Texas. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's in Texas, his home state, and it's been forever and a day since we've seen him. I mean, it is going to blow the roof off. Dare I say it is going to be a WWE attitude, late 90s era pop. That is how absolutely insane it's going to be. And as many times as we've heard people get excited... And as many phenomenal moments as we've all enjoyed, I think we can all agree if we've been watching wrestling our whole lives that there's nothing quite like those pops from that era, from Stone Cold, The Rock, particularly. I go from these, for me personally, the pops when American, uh, I'm a Real American came on for Hulk Hogan, Macho Man's Graduation Music, Undertaker, Stone Cold, Glass Smashing, If You Smell What The Rock Is Cooking, and as much as I love John Cena, he's a little bit behind that, not the same pop. Would you agree with that? Right? So, so you, so I, and I like, I, I mean, not that we have to agree on everything, but I kind of was interested to hear what you have to say. Like, I think you like John Cena too, right? Like, we're John Cena fans. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. John Cena is is fantastic, right? But like you said, he's not he's not up there with the whole entrance kind of deal and that kind of stuff. He is behind them. Um, when you, when you think of John Cena, you know, obviously you think of the music, and you know automatically who that is when that music hits, right? And then the next thing you think of John Cena when you see him come out is that run to the ramp that he constantly that he does every single time no doubt about it no fail he's going to run to the he's going to run down that ramp to that ring right but it's not I, I i you don't you don't get that feeling that if people just saw him run to the ring you know and what throw his hat and then walk out again i don't think people are going to be as happy with that as you would if undertaker came out walked down to the ring, even if he didn't even walk down to the ring and showed up just randomly in the ring after the lights went down. You know, tipped his hat and the lights went out again and he was gone. You know, something like that, you would be happy with it. Stone Cold the same with the beers. Came out, did that, you would be happy with that, right? But John Cena is not there yet, and I don't know if he ever will get there yet. With with the type of entrance that he has, anyway. No, Exactly. And that's not a knock on him. It just is what it is, right? Exactly. So it's like, and and truth be told, The Rock the Rock couldn't do his entrance and then walk in and then leave. Like, the, you, because you need... No, but, but I think with The Rock, though, I think the whole, the whole, the whole character of The Rock, though, is that, is the whole, the whole speech that he gives and the talking in third person about himself. I think you need that because there's no other part of the rock other than that. Right. You know, the whole jabroni beating pie eating, you know, nonsensical stuff that he comes out with. That's what you need from him. He doesn't have any type of 
fantastic. Like you get the whole vibe at the beginning with the can you smell what the rock is cooking? But other than that, there's nothing to that entrance that would that would pleasure you or keep you happy if that's if he just did that and walked away again. It, you know what? It, exactly. It's a great point. So I think that so now that we fleshed it out, I think really it's the Undertaker, Stone Cold, and I, I don't know, for me personally, it's Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Like for me, it Hulk Hogan when he came out and you know that song hit and he had the flag and everything else and he went out and he did the pose down and everything else. And if he just left after doing that pose down, Jesus, I mean, you'd say, Give me more can I pay more to see it again? And then Macho Man, when he like his music when he when that hit when when macho macho man was in his heyday and then he came out and he stood up and gave the one finger on the top ropes and everything in my opinion that's all i needed to see so anyway i mean again i digress but i guess the point was i don't even know where i was going with this now where were we at <laughs> i don't even know where i was going we were talking about Stone Cold and Kevin Owens yeah, tomorrow night. Exactly. So it's going to be absolute sheer pandemonium. And it can do no wrong because of what we just said. However, this is, in my opinion, Kevin Owens' last chance to dance. He has to capitalize. I have to believe that he was part of the concoction that is this moment in an effort to get himself in a position. I said, I said, I said when Kevin Owens was coming out of NXT into WWE, I said, I think when you and I first started talking wrestling, I said that Kevin Owens is not stone cold, but he is in that vein. I've said that from the very beginning. I stand by that. I've said that to everybody. And I still believe that. So for him to, you know, speak this into, into existence, if you will, that's great. But he has to capitalize on it. So I'm expecting, I'm putting a lot of pressure on Kevin Owens. And I don't want the sarcastic, condescending, fuck around Kevin Owens. I want someone who understands the moment, can, you know, allow Stone Cold to be Stone Cold and allow Stone Cold to elevate Kevin Owens, whether that's bringing him up and slapping him down or just slapping him down and slapping him down more, however it unfolds. But. If Kevin Owens squanders this opportunity, he may never, ever, ever reach the heights that we want him to reach. And a point to your what you were saying there with that whole, you know, he does bring the Stone Cold effort. And I don't know if you remember this, but when he debuted on Monday Night Raw, it, it was against John Cena. And it's not even that he wrestled. He came out, he said a few words, and he just simply... Um, Power bombed uh, John Cena, and that was the end of it. So, and that's something that you could see Stone Cold doing, you know, coming out, saying something, and then just randomly giving somebody the stunner and walking out. And that's exactly what Kevin Owens did his debut night on Monday Night Raw. I didn't, I don't remember that. So, I mean, wow. Like, so there you go. Like, this guy, you know, Darren, uh, I, I really. I know I say it time and time again. I, I really need Kevin Owens to be and who he I believe he can be and for for selfish reasons because I want 
you know, I want some. There's nobody who has created. I love Roman Reigns, man. And I love Brock Lesnar. But, you know, when I say that John Cena is a tier below those other guys that I just mentioned, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are a tier below what John Cena brought to the table, in my opinion. You know, I, if anyone argues that Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are on the level that John Cena was in his heyday, I think you're nuts. And I love Roman Reigns and John Cena, uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. But I think you got to be nuts. Like John Cena, you know, filled a void. You, John Cena was tasked with who is going to fill the void of not only not only The Rock, not only Stone Cold, but both of them. Who's going to fill the void of the only time in history other than Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage? We've had two times in history where we had two absolutely, you know, iconic figures operating at the highest frequency together. And now who's going to fill the void? Nobody filled the void after Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. I shouldn't say that Ultimate Warrior did his best. But, I mean, it was short-lived. But no one really filled the void, per se. And then it transitioned into the Attitude Era. Now, of course, there were the Shawn Michaels and the Bret Harts and, and what have you. But, like, no one really just blew the roof off the place. It went into the Attitude Era. And then we got the Hulk. Uh, the, sorry, then we got Stone Cold and The Rock. So then John Cena single-handedly filled that void. He's not The Rock. He's not Stone Cold. But he filled that void. So... Um. Again, I'm lost now on what I was saying. What was I saying? Yeah, so... You were talking about Kevin Owens. I think Kevin Owens has the potential to give us that mass hysteria. But you know what? If you had a gun to my head and I was a betting man, I just don't think it's all going to come together that way. Uh, but that's how I feel about Kevin Owens is that at the very least possibly a tier below you know john cena but you know what i mean darren like you know to get everybody on board and really to be that number one superstar like i don't know how do you feel do you think that kevin owens owens has that a do you think kevin owens has that potential and b do you think he's ever going to realize it he definitely does have that does have the potential now, if does he will he ever realize it? Well, that's hard to say, right? Because it, he he's running out of time to realize it, and he needs to do it soon rather than later. Because you know he's going to lose that that opportunity to be someone big and to bring it like you know like Stone Cold does. Um, I hope he does. I hope he does realize it. I really do because I think if he does, we could see a a, a very interesting Kevin Owens, and I think it would do him wonders. Um, going forward if he could yeah okay so we're on the same page there like yeah i mean because i think we've seen roman has risen to the highest of heights that he can rise to which is great brock has been doing it a long time and they are to me well let me ask you this and i mean unbiased opinion i know we joke and we go back and forth but i know you appreciate what roman Reigns, roman reigns and brock lesnar do do you feel as though Roman Reigns and or Brock Lesnar are bigger than what John Cena was in his heyday? No. 
we agree on that, right? Like that, that's to me, agree. Like that's that's a no brainer, right? Like that's not. I, I need to think about it, whatever. It's just cut and dried, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, they're definitely not. Um, and I don't care who you stick them with, if it's Paul Heyman or not. The Paul Heyman is not going to get them as big as what John Cena was ever. Um, and uh, so, no, definitely not. So, the, so again, we agree. And, yep. and, and I mean, you know, I know you're not the biggest fan of those two. I love both of them, but we both agree on that. And that, you know, so if Kevin, my fear is this. If Kevin Owens doesn't do it, and I think he has the potential, then we're waiting. Again, because there's nobody, there's nobody there now, in my opinion, that can do it or has the potential to do it other than Kevin Owens. So if no one in the mix right now other than Kevin Owens can do it, then we're going to wait until we see new people. So, you know, I, I, it's fun, man. It is fun having somebody that's just completely taking over and you just lose your mind when they come out. It's fun. Right, like I missed that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we hope to get it soon. I would hope for. I hope that Kevin Owens brings that very soon, um, because it's needed. And uh, I, you know, waiting is no fun. You know, we got to get into it, right? So, but uh, you know, we got a lot of Kevin Owens to talk about for tomorrow, anyway. So we're moving on to Naomi and Sasha Banks versus the current women's tag team champions in Carmella and Zelina. Yeah, so I gotta admit, like you know, I I missed the, the I missed this match or most of it. I had to step away for a second, so I saw the entrance for Sasha and Naomi. Like you know, I, I don't ever want to try to pretend or perpetrate the fraud. I gotta be on. I'm honest to to my own fault, but I have to be honest. I didn't. I had to step away for a moment, when, even though I didn't want to. But unforeseen circumstances. But the point was was that, um, you know, I love Sasha Banks. It bothers me that I feel as though there's too many agendas outside of WWE. That doesn't mean that you can't pursue other avenues. But it's like, I don't know what's going on. However, when Sasha Banks comes on that screen, she is the legit boss. She commands everyone's attention. The entrance is impeccable. The song is awesome. We got Snoop Doggy Dog in the house and everything, all my reservations about Sasha Banks go away the second she shows up on the screen, but it is always in the back of my mind. I got to be honest, Darren, is that it is always in the back of my mind that like, what is the agenda? Like there's, it's, she's had a very complicated, she's had a very complicated run. So her, Charlotte and, and Bailey, Charlotte, it's been a straight path. Straight, And I know we joke. I don't agree with you. I don't know if you're being serious or not, but I don't agree with you on, you know, Charlotte, you know, because of her last name has been given this and that. I don't agree with that. I don't know if you're joking or serious. We can talk about that. But she's a phenomenal wrestler. And she cat has catapulted the women's uh, division into what it is, along with Sasha and Bailey. And along with, of course, all the other women that have laid the groundwork, so there's no disrespect to them. But the point is, is that these three in particular, Bailey's been gone so long. I don't know what is going on. Like, how, like uh, maybe you know. I don't. Like, I haven't followed it closely enough. Like, how bad is this injury? What is going on? 
She's been gone forever. And then Sasha Banks, where she's injured, she's not injured, and she's disgruntled, uh, and then she's happy. What's happening? Like, I don't understand what's going on with these two. Well, well, Bailey, there, there is no, no news on Bailey, right? I, I, it's, it's, she's had the neck, she had a neck injury, we know that, and I guess they're just trying to make her make sure that you know everything, her, the neck is fine before they let her come back because you know they don't want to cripple her, obviously, if she does the wrong thing with this injured neck. Um, but for Sasha Banks, it's, it's, she, she's gone through a lot, and there's, there's a lot to talk about there in that sense that you know. There was a time, in, in, you know, recently where she wasn't happy in WWE, um, and there was a time where she did go to Vince and ask for a release. But Vince did have to talk to her and say, "Listen, no, we, we, you know, it's we need you here in WWE. You're a key asset to this company, and you know, so on and so forth." Um, but no, there was a time just just uh, last year that she did ask for a release. She was not happy. And it had a lot to do with her own self-doubts. It had a lot to do with she didn't think she was as good as, you know, a lot of people thought she was. Um, and she she was unhappy. So she, instead of trying to, you know, she eventually did work it out with herself. But she she did she did ask for a release at one point. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's all I really have to say about that match. Uh, I love Sasha Banks. She's a legit boss. I got the glasses. I got the chain. I got the ring. I got the t-shirt. I got the flag. That tells you how I feel about Sasha Banks. Bought out of my own hard-earned money. W the the powers that be, people out there. I uh, think what that what you will. I'm a grown man buying that, and proud to buy it. She's a legit boss. I roll with Sasha Banks hard, and I just don't like to see people. I, I don't. I don't buy into you know. You gotta always like don't bite the hand that feeds you, or be aware of the you know the side of the bread that your the side of the bread it's buttered on. Like I, I'm not all about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you're excellent at this. I thought this was your passion. I mean, by all accounts, what we've heard and your story is that this is what you love. And are you looking to veer off because you're unhappy with how you're being treated? Or are you looking to veer off because you're unhappy with just, you know, you're not satisfied as a wrestler? If you're not satisfied as a wrestler and you want another career, all the power to you. But I don't believe that's it. I believe that, you know, all the politics and what have you has kind of like confused her. And I would encourage Sasha Banks, listen, refocus. There's a long list of wrestlers and WWE superstars who have been disgruntled and they've had to go back and forth, back and forth and then found their way again. And then I love Bret Hart and I am not defending Vince McMahon or Shane Michael or Shawn Michaels. But my point is, is that when you decide that you are going to go your own way over an argument or something that you didn't see eye to eye with, if wrestling is your true love, you got to take a step back because you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up fucking right back to where you started because you love it and you have forgone many, many years of your life and your wrestling life like Bret Hart did. 
and and like you know, and, and I got love for Bret Hart. But the thing was, now we're not even getting into Owen Hart and, and God bless his soul. We're not even getting into that. I'm just talking about the screw job. Is the fact that if you're gonna come back in the end anyway, which you don't know at that time, but what the one thing that you do know, how much do you love? wrestling and how much do you want to do this for a living if the answer is this is all i want to do then you've got to find a way to resolve it in your own mind because you're going to end up back there in the end anyway and that is what i would say to sasha banks absolutely absolutely she's got to figure it out she's got to do what she's got to do and if she's unhappy then she's unhappy but you know uh you know we all hope that she she does stay around for a while because she is good at what she does and, uh, you know, we need the legit boss. So we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to head to Kayla, who ends up going to see Rhonda's training facility and check out how Rhonda's training is going. And then, of course, we do get a look at the whole Rhonda-Charlotte rivalry, of course. Um, and that's uh, before Charlotte does come to the top of the ramp and start running her mouth over this match tomorrow night. Or tonight, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, I like this. I liked Kayla in the mix with Rhonda the training session. I mean, we've seen Rhonda training with. We saw Rhonda on online talking about training with Shayna Baszler. That's who it was, right? She was training with. Yeah, so Queen of Spades, yeah. and yeah. you know, back in the MMA days, and you know, it was going to be the four horse women that didn't all materialize. But regardless, is that uh, I like that. You know what kind of gave me uh, vibes of, Darren? Is uh, kind of gave me vibes of, uh, I know this is kind of not really related, but I'm just telling you how I felt, is that with uh, Shane and the WWE Underground, that's kind of gave me quick, like a flashback of that for a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. There's one thing I've always noticed about Shayna Baszler, though, just speaking of her, is she has no eyebrows. Yeah, no, they're gone. They're missing in action. They definitely are missing in action. There's an APB <laughs> out for those, and I don't think they'll ever be found. But I got love for the Queen of Spades. Uh, so, but right. did, but but, but, uh, it, but it, it did did it give you flashbacks of uh, that or no? And I do get it, you know, when when we see Omos and Commander Aziz, right? Because of course they were two key parts of it, with Omos being the security guard at the door, and then Commander Aziz under a different name, of course, um, back then, uh, which was who was brutal back at in the underground uh, wrestling days there. Um, I just wish they kind of stuck with them like that. Yeah, me too. Um, and I loved, I liked Rhonda. Not, not I liked, I loved. And I mean, I got a love-hate relationship with Rhonda. Like, I've been very vocal on, eh, you know. Uh, I was at the Sports Center at Young and St. Clair when it was there. Shout out Dino, the owner of uh, Sports Center. Greatest sports bar in Toronto history by a landslide and uh you know when holly home beat ronda rousey you know my daughter and i were the only two people in that building cheering for that and uh although ronda rousey is a trailblazer her dedication is, is you know admirable and uh but as a wwe wrestler i'm torn i say i got a love-hate relationship with her because she gets on my nerves but I do appreciate her involvement. And then uh, I thought she was great tonight. 
you know, I, I liked it. And then, you know, my parents and my family are going to be in the front row. I'm going to rip off your arm and get, tap out. I'm going to rip off your arm and give it to my family as a souvenir. And they'll love it. Like, it was just, it was good. It really was good. I appreciated it. I enjoyed it. And then, of course, but Charlotte Flair, you know, is she the GOAT? I don't know. The debate is there. The debate, the, there is a debate. There is no question there's a debate. So there's, there's a debate for a lot of things, but, you know, uh, I, I will, you know, you and I will definitely never agree to uh, on that one for sure. I, uh, I don't see it, but, uh, and to be, to your question previously regarding Charlotte, uh, when I say that she gets what she gets because of her last name, there, there's no joke to that. I highly believe she does. Oh gosh. So like, you know, we're going to have to go toe to toe on that. We're going to have to have a show specifically to, we're going to have to start doing one offs on, you know, uh, topical shows, one off, meaning that Charlotte Flair, we go to war, you and I 30 minutes. That's what we're going to have to do. So we're going to have to make a list. It's a long list of what we're going to go to war over. So that's going to be one of them. So we agree to disagree on that one. And, but hey, Charlotte Flair walking the ramp. You know what that is? That's cool. Charlotte Flair being third time world, 13 time women's champion. You know what that is? That's cool. That's not cool. Her daddy getting her what she wants. Uh, <laughs> just putting, just putting, just putting the fact there, my friend. So the point is, is that how great? Like, okay, tired. It was gold. It was pure gold. She's magic on the mic. Yeah. She's athletically gifted. She has a deep rooted love for wrestling. She comes from a long, long line. She comes from a line of wrestling. She's has phenomenal wrestling moves, and she is no one to be fooled around with, man. She really isn't. Listen, Ronda. Ronda's going to show her exactly what she's oh, been God. needing to be shown for a while. And Rhonda's going to give her that tomorrow night. And I look forward to Rhonda giving her an ass kicking tomorrow night. And Let me just quote Vince McMahon's entrance song, No Chance, No Chance in Hell. And and Daddy won't be able to save her tomorrow night. Oh, gosh. Here you go. It's going to be – Rhonda Rousey. Because, because we have other things to talk about. You're tired. I'm tired. we got to move on, man, because – I could debate her okay. for successful due to her dad for hours, and we'll get there, like you said, one day. We will get there. But we got to talk about Titty Tom. Titty Tom. Rick Boobs. That's correct, because Titty Tom is, is could potentially be a new tag team champion come WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, hold on a second here. Um let me go back to my notes here. I, I got distracted for a second because uh, I had to make a note. Anyways. So we had Titty Tom versus Jimmy Uso, which then turned into Austin Theory attacking Pat McAfee from behind. Like, just let Pat yeah. enjoy Shinsuke's entrance, man. Like, Austin Theory, man, doesn't understand 
when you hear Shinsuke's music, you got to just let it all out. And that's what Pat loves to do, man. But no, he attacks him from behind. And then, of course, runs to Vince's office like like the wuss that he is. And, of course, Pat gets in shit because this time he decides to go one step further and knock in the door. And Vince was not happy about that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, Titty Tom, Rick Boobs, you know, he's a boob. Like, you know, anyway, I will say this. His strength, and I know that I touched on it the other day and they've been raving about it, it is impressive. Like, once that match unfolded, you know, and he's curling... I don't know. He was curling one of the Usos, and he did a military press on the other one from his, you know, picked him up from the, the his knees, and then stood all the way up. I mean, it is impressive. But the most important part of that whole scenario, exactly, is that you know I've spoke about this before. We've been robbed from Shinsuke's entrance music, but now even though like I have my qualms about how it all is right now and his entrance music is still not the same, but at least there's a little bit of flavor back in it with Pat McAfee dancing and exactly to your point, let the man enjoy it. Like it's disrespectful. Like you can it's disrespectful to come up from behind and do anything to smack someone, take them out, punch them in the face. It's all disrespectful. But we're on another level of disrespect. When a man is on a commentary desk on WWE SmackDown dancing to Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance music, dare I say with the intro by Titty Tom aka Rick Boobs. And then you don't allow the WWE universe to soak it all in and you got to take the man's legs out from underneath them and rob us of that experience on the quote unquote WrestleMania Smackdown I'm done can we can we please not refer to that, that, that just, um, that just <laughs> you know how you know how the other week there Seth Rollins was getting really disturbed by the way that Chad Gable was saying uh thank you that 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 WrestleMania SmackDown Raw thing gives me the same kind of TBGBs as as what Seth Rollins was getting. You know what? And I appreciate you for slapping me back to attention and, and my mistake, kind sir. So I will refrain. You're right. I should not be saying that. I'm buying into the fucking propaganda, and so I will not. So SmackDown. So you know, it's just disrespect on the highest level. Not to mention, what the poor fan. If you're so, if you're sitting front row at SmackDown, you paid an arm and a leg. And then anyone who's been to a show, that drink that that fan was holding probably cost five hundred and seventy-five dollars. And then Austin, and then Austin Theory had the nerve to snatch it out of his hand, then drink some of it, and then splash it on Pat McAfee. Just a just an economic waste, a disgrace on all levels. And then even Pat McAfee, if you can, if you remember his exact moment of uh, his reaction, is that you know you get blindsided like that and you're slammed. It wasn't oh I'm in pain. It wasn't I'm angry. It wasn't like I'm shocked. You could see the look in his eyes. He was kind of like really. I'm in the middle of Shinsuke. I, I can't believe you. Like, I'd rather you sneak into my house at 3 o'clock in the morning and beat the shit out of me in my bed. You cannot do this. This is Shin. This is my, this is my moment. You just robbed him of it. That moment alone 
and and it deserves a beatdown. And like I've said, this is a sleeper match for WrestleMania. This is going to be top five WrestleMania matches, possibly top three. And like you said, Pat finally worked up the nerve to say, you know what? The heck with it. Vince Mc, you're not hiding behind Vince anymore. I'm going to kick the door down. <laughs> but then Vince set that straight pretty quick. The boss is the godfather. First of all, I don't think the drink costs five hundred and seventy-five dollars. <laughs> give or take, give anyways, or take a couple bucks. Me, that, gave me, that gave me a good laugh, just the same. Um, anyways, we got to move on to the last event because you know it, it had one of the greatest superstars on SmackDown in the Scottish Warrior in Drew McIntyre, and with Angela, of course, which we now know that you appreciate Angela. Um, for all of what it's named after. And the fact of the matter is that Angela is so fantastic that Happy Corbin is terrified of her. And did you see the wonderfulness in Drew McIntyre? How he split the table in half with that sword? Absolute fantasticness on Drew McIntyre's part. Can't wait to see him at WrestleMania. Well, I'm interested to hear what your reaction is to what I'm about to say. So I don't know if you're going to love it. I know you're not going to hate it, but I don't know if you're going to love it or kind of like love it, but not love it because you know, it kind of, it might rob us of a little bit of a ban uh, of a little bit of banter. So I, so as you know, is that I spoke about this before, and this is what you just touched on. I didn't know that Angela was named after Drew McIntyre's mother who had passed away. You know, thoughts and prayers, obviously. I'm older, so I'm soft, man. I'm soft, I'm sensitive. Uh, you know, there is, th- there's lines. I get crazy, but there's certain lines that uh, I just, you know, I can't cross. And I get too soft, but I mean, it is what it is. So the point is, is that I didn't know that. So then I felt all guilty about murder. She wrote, even though it was only joking and what have you. So I'm done with, so I'm done with that. Now I've been losing sleep over that. That That's how, that's how, that's how soft I am. That's how, that's how old and soft and weak I am is that I'm losing sleep over it. And I fucking hated Drew McIntyre. I just want to smack the shit out of him. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So then here we are. I am announcing, well, now we're April 2nd now, I guess, 2022, right? Absolutely, I'm my friend. officially, I, it's a Bonicidio, I'm officially a Drew McIntyre fan as of right now. I was, and I'm being serious now, all jokes aside, uh, I was disgusted with Happy Corbin, Baron Corbin, taking the sword out saying that, you know, he's going to rename it euphoria. It's too depressing. When he said that Drew's sword and his mother had something in common, he lost both of them. And I'm not joking here. Now this is not wrestling talk or whatever. I was disgusted. I really was. And I mean, people can say I'm soft or I'm taking it too seriously. I'm this. well, this is who I am. This is how I feel. This is who I am. I was disgusted. I was done. I am done with Baron Corbin, Happy Corbin for life. That, I, I, and you know what? To be honest with you, when you when you bring when you when you 
you know, we all know that WWE has a way of doing things and everything like that. But I think there's some times where they go a little too far. And that definitely tonight was one of them. Um, you know, you don't go on about somebody's dead mother like that. Um, I don't care if it is for for television or not. For the crowd, I don't care what it's for. You don't go and do that. Um, that's that's uncalled for. It's not necessary. And I don't know if him and Drew, you know, ever spoke about doing this or whatever, or how this works, but you don't go and do that. That's uncalled for. It's unnecessary. And it's it's rather rude, if you ask me, to go and do that. I was really upset about it. Uh, like, I mean, I, like I said, I took many notes. I was really upset about it. And I mean, you know, I was having fun with it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I was not a Drew McIntyre fan. And I had fun with, you know, Angela and everything else. And then, but I am who I am as well. And then, so when I found out that it was named for his mother, like I felt like I said, I, felt, I was overwhelmed with guilt. And then I had to reevaluate. Literally, it was on my mind. And then tonight when, you know, when he made that quote-unquote joke, no, that uh, to way too far, not even too far, way too far, and so now, now all, 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 you know, you know, all the sadness here with the, the sword situation, and you're a Drew McIntyre fan, which absolutely brings me the most joy, knowing that you are on my. I don't know if it brings you joy or not. That's what I'm wondering. I don't know no, if you, like, I think you might like I when I hate the people. There's one thing I do know with you, and there will be banter between you and I with Drew McIntyre, because, yeah. you know, he eventually will pretty well very soon have to face the ass of the table. Oh, gosh. The disrespect, man. Put some, acknowledge him. Never. Never in a million years will I acknowledge that man. But you realize there's no one left after Bonehead here who will be next in line for this will be Drew McIntyre. Yes, you're right about that. So I'm not I'm, I'm going to I'm not getting ahead of myself. And then, you know, I reserve the right to hate people that I love and love people that I hate again. So but I will say this, like I said, is that. I was not impressed. I did not enjoy it. I was disappointed in Baron Corbin. I really did not like it. It rubbed me the wrong way. It left a terrible taste in my mouth. And I didn't even like the fact that Drew McIntyre had to come out and acknowledge it. It really did not sit well with me. I don't like any of it at all. At all. Is that people can say whatever they want. This man's mother passed away as part of him following his dreams and being who he is supposed to be. And yeah, I'm, I'm getting him, you know, philosophical on this level because this is what, this is who I am. And that for him to carry and then him to introduce the sword and name it after his mother who had passed away and the disrespect on that. No. And this isn't me like, you know, aligning with you. Cause you know, you and me, we'll go to war all the time. We'll have fun doing it. This is just from the bottom of my heart. Sincerely. I was disgusted with it. I really was. It really, really, really bothered me. It was sit with me. I don't understand why it, 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 it was even involved and not cool on any level. I hope Drew McIntyre fucking puts the beat down of a fucking lifetime on this guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if he goes up against someone that I love, then we'll talk about that. But for now, um, 
begrudgingly, I'm rolling with Drew because, you know, I, I really, really, really was disgusted with the whole thing. Well, I appreciate it, and I look forward to the future banter because I know eventually we will be at heads yeah, again with Drew for sure, for sure. So now, okay, so it is getting rather late, and we need it to- is it's two it's two twenty. So let's let let's two thirty is the hard cutoff. Okay, so that means we got ten minutes, and we've got four Hall of Famers to talk about because we're moving on to the Hall of Fame ceremony. We we gave Undertaker his time. I could go on hours about him, but I I, I we can't. Um, okay, so we first we started off the Hall of Fame ceremony. Of course, it was hosted by Corey Graves and and Kayla uh, Braxton. Um, it was they were okay. Uh, I feel like they could have gotten somebody a little better than them too, personally. But that's my opinion. But we first started off with the Steiner brothers, and I thought it was only right that they did bring um, uh, Braun Breaker to be their inductee. So I was very happy about that. Um, I, I did enjoy the story about the cows, though. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that quickly, and I'm going to I'm going to blast through. But I do have to get some things off my chest. I took tons of notes. Is that you know I didn't like the fact that Michael Cole was taking shots at Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton's my boy. I've said that many many times. You know you don't here and and Darren, I, I think you can agree with me on this. For better or for worse, you can like or love people. I'm not saying that you don't like Byron Saxton. I'm saying the WWE universe in general. You can like or love people. There is no business. Forget show business. There is no business like the WWE, meaning that you, if you have survived, then you are fucking deserving. So the point is, is that, you know, in Hollywood, you know, you can come and go, come and go, come and go. If you can survive the gauntlet that is the WWE and still be relevant you must have something. Byron Saxon has been around. He's been dead and buried a hundred times, and that man is still here. Agreed? Right. So absolutely. Everybody stay the fuck away from my boy Byron. And he takes it in stride. The, his biggest, biggest attribute is that he obviously he's himself, but he doesn't get his back up against the wall. He takes it in stride. And, you know, I didn't like Michael Cole. I really didn't like Michael Cole taking shots at Byron. It fucking pissed me off. Like, if I'm being honest, it really did fucking piss me off. The Hall of Fame is just starting. I love the Hall of Fame. I don't know if I go as far as Vince saying it's my favorite night of all time in the year, but it's up there. I love it. And and, and Michael Cole kicked it off. Like, I think that's him hanging around Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee and then Michael Cole's getting a little fucking crazy. You're punking off Byron now? Like, you were Byron's defender before. What the fuck? I didn't like it. It fucking pissed me off. It really did. Um, and then, but, you know, Pat McAfee stood up for Byron. And Byron doesn't need anyone to stand up for him. And then, on a side note, Darren, Byron is a fucking big boy. So, there was somebody, yes. I'm just scrolling through here now. When when they were doing one of the interviews, he was standing next to somebody. and Kane. And then there wasn't a massive size discrepancy between Byron and Kane. Kane was obviously taller, but shoulder-wise and just body-wise, it wasn't like, you know, man among men. They were in the same atmosphere. Do you agree? Like, I was shocked. 
Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, for sure. They were, uh, Byron is a, is a tall guy for sure. So, so Kane is, uh, 6'11". Wow. Uh, I didn't even fucking know. It's almost seven. Where's one inch away from seven foot? How tall is Byron then? He is only, he's 6'2". So then, so something, so then one of them, he, so, Byron obviously had on lifts in his shoes or they were standing on something because if you watch the replay, that, so that's what struck me strange. That's why I spoke on it is that if Byron is 6'2", so, you know, just barely two inches above six foot and then Kane is one inch away from seven feet, like looking at them on screen, they would be apples and oranges, and they didn't look like that. They looked like they were a couple inches apart. If you if you go back, if anyone goes back and looks at it, 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 it looks like they're a couple inches apart. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we gotta we gotta keep going here. Um, as much as I know you love Byron Saxton, but we we're cutting into <laughs> our two thirty cutoff point. We all have right, five all right, minutes. Guys. Yeah. You know, so we have to get through this. Um, we can have a love fest over Byron Saxton another day, but not now. All right. All right. So I need your thoughts on the Steiner Brothers um, oh, Hall of Fame yeah. speech. Like I said to you, I enjoyed the story about the cows. I thought it was quite funny to hear. I agree. And a lot of people slammed it online saying, what is Scott? This is a big pop of pump. This is a big pop of pump. And you're trying to dog this guy? And like, He's he he shoots from the hip, and there was obviously something on his mind. And you know, like I said, Macho Man Randy Savage, oh yeah, is near and dear to my heart. My favorite wrestler of all time. And for him to come out with the Macho Man story, I thought it was fantastic. And then I don't know if you were looking online, there were a lot of negative comments. Oh, negative, but kind of like you know, questioning comments where it's like, listen, the. Everybody already knows the story that unfolded in front of our eyes and the matches. They're speaking about stuff that we don't know. For him to come out of the blue, the relationship with Macho Man Randy Savage, I loved it. I agree with you. I mean, that was one of the highlights of the night for me. I really loved it. It caught me off guard. I love Macho Man Randy Savage, and it I really, really enjoyed it. And, I, of course, I love – just as a side note, I call it like – I call, I, I call my – like anytime I'm trying to say if someone does something silly, I'm like, oh, look at this dog face gremlin. Like that's my go-to line. That's been my go-to line forever. That's my daughter's go-to line because I've said that to her a million times. So that's how I feel about the dog face gremlin. And then him coming on there – and really pouring love and adulation on his brother, Scott, Scott Scott Steiner. I thought it was good. I didn't like the fact that he got kind of cut short and they get to thank his family properly. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did he thank his son? You know, like, I don't think he did either, which kind of was I, fucked up. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think when you... You know, you're doing a Hall of Fame speech. You know, there's a lot to try and think about to say, right? So either either he he missed it, or you know, he 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 was improving his speech and he just forgot to say it. But you know, we all know that he he probably is very thankful for his son, just the same. Yeah, a good, well said, Dan. Well said. I'll leave it at that. It's well said. You know, um, and then we go on to Queen Charmel, which is uh, introduced by her own husband in Booker T. Um, like I I. I she she was she had a good speech. Don't get me wrong, 
but the way she was talking tonight drove me up the wall. Oh, man. I'm so disappointed to hear you say that. So, like, I would say this. We're going to get into Shad, which was heartbreaking. It was. We will get into him next. I promise you that. Yeah. But but Queen Charmel, man, like, I'm not sure why she was talking like that. I'm not sure what she was doing. If she came out just as her character, I, I haven't really, you know, I, I you know, I, it, it's been a long time since we've seen her in the WWE, of course. Um, but, you know, just, just the way she was talking tonight and the way she was acting, I'm just like, I, I, I was like, God, just shut up already and get off. Like, I, it was just, it drove me up the wall. I couldn't disagree more. I, I couldn't disagree more. I briefly want to go back. I had checked my notes about uh, the Steiners, and I know like we're going to exceed 2.30 by a couple minutes. I'm sorry. Is that uh, Scott wanted to hit the ropes afterward, and then you could see that your boy, the dog-faced gremlin, he didn't want to hit the ropes. So I thought that was interesting as well. But um, And then, so... I completely disagree. I, I thought that, first of all, I thought Booker T's, you know, introduction. I love Booker T, first of all. And I think that, you know, he's very, he's very, Booker T reminds me, his spirit reminds me of The Undertaker, meaning that Booker T is one of the few people that I believe that feels the same way about wrestling that The Undertaker does. And I'm not saying, again, nothing negative about people that are pursued outside, you know, activities. But Booker T has kept it all in the family, quote unquote, from beginning to end. And, um, you know, as as did The Undertaker always. So, I mean, as we said before. So the thing is, is that that's what Booker T reminds me of. Um, I loved his introduction. I loved him saying all hail the queen repetitively. I thought her speech was phenomenal. I really did. I thought it was very heartfelt. I thought it was well-constructed. Again, she had the teleprompter going, which I respect. I thought she made sure she included everyone. I love the fact that she acknowledged the fans. I love the fact that she acknowledged the heel part of her speech. I love the fact that, uh, you know, she really, really... Uh, acknowledged Booker T. He was crying throughout the entire thing, wiping around away the tears. She's from Gary, Indiana. They they mentioned that before, where my, where the Jacksons are from. It's a very small town in Indiana, and uh, it's a hole in the wall. So, like for her to persevere, come through that, I loved it, man. I really did, and I love Booker's emotion. I love seeing him crying on there multiple times. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought if the thing is, is that Shad is a different situation, and The Undertaker is obviously one of the greats, if not the greatest. So if it wasn't for those type of anomalies, like I thought it was the speech of the night, even though it wasn't because of the other two things, but that's how that's how I felt about it. All right, all right, all right. I did enjoy her, uh, you know, her mention of the Boogeyman, which we yeah. all love the Boogeyman. Uh, I think the boogeyman is awesome, personally. Um, I did enjoy the the reactions from their kids when she was going on about loving them and giving, blowing them kisses and all that. I thought it was quite funny to see their faces and their reactions to that. Um, so I did enjoy that. But just the way she was talking and the way she was acting tonight drove, drove me up the wall. Um, but I, I do want to move on, of course, to Shad. Um, first of all, that video tribute tonight was... 
It was hard to watch. It very was. It very much was. Um, the emotion that ran through that video, I, I, you know, to be honest, I would hate. I would have hate to have been the person to put that together, because that was there was a lot of. It was a lot of moments with his son, and it was very heartbreaking to see because you know, his son ain't gonna have those moments anymore, which is a sad thing to say, but it's true. You know, he he seems like he was a great dad, a great husband. Um, with all the times that he spent with his family and what he's done with them and everything like that, um, you know, uh, and the fact that, you know, he stopped the robbery, uh, an armed robbery um, back in 2016, you know, along with JTG, who did nothing but just stand there, you know, and then he got the dog back for the wife. Like, you know, not many people are going to run up to somebody and get the dog back like that. Um, I, I would love to know what she couldn't say. I think that would have been a very interesting aspect. I know she couldn't say it on TV, but I would have loved to have known what 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 he did or what he said that couldn't go on TV. That would have been fun. Um, but it was just a very heartwarming speech. It was the emotions were there, and uh, it, it must have been very difficult for her tonight to do that. Um, I kind of thought the son would have said something. I know he's, he's younger, of course, but I did think he was going to say something, but he, he just stayed quiet. And for some odd reason, loved to watch the ground for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot there, Darren. I mean, so, you know, I do want to preface everything by saying is that last talk, that talk, you know, I'm always myself and, and tongue in cheek sometimes, but also I'm always myself. I was quoting Masai talking about Masai back in the playoffs saying fuck Brooklyn. And I was doing that tongue in cheek. You know, I grew up on hip hop. I love hip hop raised me. I love hip hop with all my heart. I love Brooklyn. And then, you know, that kind of made me think about when I saw this uh, speech tonight. I mean, Shad is from Brooklyn and it, and it kind of made me, I uh, just want to mention that this evening that, you know, nothing but love for Brooklyn. So uh, I hope everyone appreciates that, that, you know, I'm just talking to hear myself talk and we're having some fun here. So uh, this is a serious moment. Like I said, I'm a serious person by, by nature, way too serious. So I think people think I go overboard, but this is who I am. Uh, this was an emotional moment. And I know Dana Warrior didn't didn't mean any disrespect I remember Dana. I remember when this award was introduced, and she had to suffer through coming out and and being, you know, the inaugural uh, speech uh, for this award with her two daughters when the Ultimate Warrior passed away. Only I think weeks before, right? Like they had just given him the tribute on Raw, and months before, perhaps, but. Um, it rubbed me the wrong way. The, I, I got to be honest. The, and, and, and I'm not blaming her. And, and there was no ill will. I mean, she's been through hell and back. And she had nothing but respect and love for Shad and, and the award. But the entrance rubbed me the wrong way. And if you were watching the WWE Superstars, you could see it was rubbing them the wrong way, too. And the crowd. There was they showed they had a shot of a guy crying there in the crowd prior to the entrance hit, the music hit, she came out and she was doing the dance and shaking hands and she was feeling the moment and I can't blame her for that. But it was it was wrong. It was backward. It it was it was set up for failure there. Like they just had a heartfelt speech on this man is no longer with us. And, and I mean he was very young. And he passed away saving his child. And that's why he's being presented this award. 
and that's what we saw in the promo package. And then the music hits, and she's coming out dancing and smiling and partying. It was it was wrong. It was wrong on all levels. It was backward. So it's not her fault, and it's not malicious. Not blaming her, but it was wrong. And uh, but yes, getting to your point is that you know uh, I I didn't know I didn't know if the mother and the son were going to be there. It's a very traumatic thing. I can't imagine. None of us can imagine. Heaven forbid. Hopefully, none of us ever do have to imagine. Uh, that they were going to be there. And then to your point, and I mean, I appreciate you saying that. You know why I appreciate you saying what you said, Darren? Because you're honest. And I appreciate that. And I feel the same way is that, you know, too many people leave things unsaid. I felt the same way. The son is very young. Maybe, I don't know how old he is. I don't know if he's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I have no idea. That was guessing 12-ish. It was a guess. So... Exactly like you said, I thought yeah. he was gonna, his mother asked him. It felt like it was planned for him to say something because his mother asked him. And then, you know, he, he could see him shake her off and then he didn't say anything. And I felt like he was going to say something at the end. So to your point, I was kind of disappointed he didn't speak. But from a, I was kind of disappointed he didn't speak just from an overall moment perspective, because I think when he's 35, he will have wished he had spoken. However, you can't put an old man's head on a young man's shoulders. So you can only be yeah. who you are. And so even though the way you and I are talking about this now, you know, there'll be a million people that would just say, like, how dare you guys say that? But we're being honest and we're not blaming him. And you got to say it like it is. And you got to say what people are thinking, which is everyone wanted him to speak from a selfish perspective because we were, we were all emotionally invested. However, if we were his mother or we were his father, then, you know, you, of course you don't want to force the issue. So I'm glad you said that uh, because, um, but it was special that he was there and he held it together to his credit. He did not cry. And I was very proud of him for doing that because I felt like that was going to happen. And the mother didn't cry. And she gave the son the opportunity a couple times. And no, I don't blame him for not speaking. He did. So what I do commend him on is that he did as a 12-year-old would. This is how I feel. Do I want to speak? Maybe I intended to. No, I don't. You're putting this 12-year-old out here in front of, you know, a dub put any of us in the middle of a WWE ring in front of an entire crowd and have to just do, do say anything, even if it was a happy moment. Now you put him in there and talking about his father. This is his dad is gone. And he was old enough to know his dad. It wasn't like he was two years old. You know what I mean? So it's like, so no, I don't blame him, but... Yeah, I mean, we from again from it wasn't from yeah. a selfish perspective. I think from a time span time stamp perspective, is that I kind of was hoping that he would say something so he would have that memory. But he has the memory of raising the trophy, which I really loved. But I mean, it was a difficult it was a difficult thing to watch, Darren. It really was. Oh, absolutely! It definitely was, and. Um... You know, kudos to his wife and his son for coming out there and giving, you know, that speech that they did. Um, and I completely agree with you with the with Dana coming out and, and dancing and acting like nothing had just, you know, we just didn't watch a, a very sad tribute about a man who, you know, you know, saved his son and, and ended up killing himself basically over it. 
Um, and, and then you come out and do that. There was no need for that. It was completely incorrect on her part. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, she doesn't do that again. Um, so we're going to move on quickly uh, to, to the last one, which is Vader's. Um, um, it was a very fast, very speech. fast speech. I know they tried I know they to don't. pull the jokes off with uh, what time is it and all that kind of stuff. And I personally, I don't think the crowd was into it very much. Um, I, I don't think the crowd really... I, I didn't feel the crowd was very entertained by this speech at all. Um, I know I really wasn't entertained by this speech at all. Um, kudos to Vader for making it to the Hall of Fame, but... I wasn't feeling it tonight with, with his son and his mother there making that speech. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. It's a very difficult situation again. Like, you know, thoughts and prayers to his family and friends. I mean, this is someone who's passed on. So it's a difficult situation. I do understand what you're saying. Um, there was a disconnect. You're not wrong. There definitely was. However... I felt like, again, they were being themselves, right? They were paying homage to their father and to her husband in the best way that they knew how. And that I, I enjoyed and I appreciated the fact that they included the crowd. What time is it? It's Vader time. So to allow the crowd to enjoy. Um, I also really, really, what, what really struck me was that this is from the outside looking in. I'm not one of these people. Like I, I haven't lived this life uh, that that these guys have lived. So, but from the outside looking in, I often think because uh, I have lived a life where I've raised a daughter, and I've done it on my own, and I know that the time that it requires, and that I know that if I didn't put in that time, that I know her life would be very different. So. I often think about that when I think about people in these positions. That's me from, from a parent perspective. And it struck me when he acknowledged that head on. I don't even know if I've ever recalled anyone acknowledging it in that manner. Lots of people have acknowledged it, but I don't think in that manner where he said, when, you, when you're doing this thing and you're chasing your dreams, I'm paraphrasing now and what have you, you're missing a lot of birthdays. You're missing a lot of family time. You're missing a lot of important moments. But now, whether he was just saying it for the crowd, I have no idea. But, you know, the moments he was there, you know, he did more than, you know, most of my friends or my friends' parents did and the best dad ever for the times he was there. Whether that's true or false or what have you, I appreciated him acknowledging it because the nature of the beast is that if you're living in a spotlight like that, like you're not, you can thank your wife and kids, but you're not spending any time with them. And so that oftentimes goes unsaid. Anyway, so that's what I took away from that speech. I appreciated the son acknowledging that and, you know, given his take on it. That was my number one takeaway from that speech. Well, um, it, it was, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this. It was a, it was a good night overall. Congratulations to all the WWE Hall of Famers that were inducted tonight. Um, Undertaker. You're the man. You will always be the man. And uh, I hope this isn't the end. If that never say never is something, then I'm hoping the gong goes off soon. Um, yet again. 
Uh, tomorrow is night one of WrestleMania, which is very exciting. Sorry, tonight. Sorry, I get so late. Tonight is night one of WrestleMania. Just join us at six o'clock, people. Six o'clock tonight. We will be live for an hour for the pre-show, and then we will be back immediately following WrestleMania uh, to lay it all out for you for night one. And we're going to be doing the same tomorrow on Sunday. We'll be live at six o'clock for an hour, and then we're going to be immediately following to lay it all out again for you on the post show. So we hope you join us. Give us your thoughts, your opinions, your likes, your dislikes, your hates, your comments, whatever it is you want to join in and tell us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, So kudos and congratulations to all all the Hall of Famers. And I cannot wait for tonight. I'm so excited and I'm looking forward to it immensely. Shane, last words and please sing it out if you would, sir. Well, I have to say, we've been on the air now for two hours. Darren, I got to tell you, I really appreciate the fact that I've said this, uh, I said this the other day or last night. I said it, I've said it many times and I'm going to keep repeating it is that here I am. And, you know, there's seven and a half billion people, I think, now in the world, but yet and still, there's not a lot of people. Here we are post. We're in the Spotify green room. If anyone searches WWE in the Spotify green room right now, there is only one show on the air. And there's seven and a half billion people in the world. That's Talk That Talk, the official live fan reaction call-in show. Before and after every SmackDown, every Raw, and every pay-per-view. And I say that because it's the love for wrestling that we have and that the phone lines are always open And we certainly want to hear from the WWE Universe. But I really appreciate, Darren, the fact that I can... The show ended, and then here you and I are. You're not rushing me off. I'm not rushing you off. It's rare that, like, you know, you have someone that you can chat with, and we're on the air, and we're just loving wrestling, and we could talk forever. And it's good times, man. It really is. And I feel, we've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, is now I feel like I have it all out of my system. Like, watching wrestling is one thing, loving it is another thing, but being able to talk about it is, you know, is really the icing on the cake, and it completes it. So if I'm not able to do that, like, I feel like I'm not enjoying it. So thank you, Darren for two hours tonight and again not rushed we're we're kind of like uh we're we're forcing each other off the air involuntarily because i think we could both talk forever is that uh i really really enjoyed this i hope everyone listening enjoyed it i love talking about this i loved smackdown i love the hall of fame we're gonna have another time that we're gonna talk about the rings and everything else and all of our gripes but i like the fact that we kept it all positive tonight because it was a positive evening and uh i loved it man like here we are we're two hours darren does it feel like two hours no never it never does um never right there's times where we talk offline and you look at the time and you know we always say we talk five minutes and it's two, three hours later, and we're like, holy crow, man, where'd the time go, right? So it's just another one of those. Exactly. And, I mean, it feels good, man. It feels good to talk about it. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, before I sing us off, you know, I, I think you know what's coming, Darren. I mean, this is obligatory. I mean, you know, again, for anyone listening, we're honored here because – 
you know, we all have our favorites. We all have the ones that are near and dear to our heart. And then for Darren, it's, you know, it's the undertaker. And, uh, this was a really, really, really special night. It can't be overstated. It really was. It was an extremely special night, and we both had our reservations on the Hall of Fame being piggybacked on SmackDown. I have to say a couple things is that they did a phenomenal job. It was transparent. We saw the overhead shot, the topographical views of them changing the ring over into the Hall of Fame. The one thing I did not like is that when Pat and Michael were on the desk, that at the very least they could have had another uh, logo there for their desk, albeit they were going to leave. But even for the 10 minutes intro or the five minutes intro, change it to the Hall of Fame logo. I know I'm nitpicking now, but that's who I am. And the fact that the wrestlers got the wrestling superstars, uh, Hall of Fame inductees, I should say, giving them a due respect, got to have their entrance and the screen and the music playing and interact with the fans. It was that is what it's all about. And do the ring walk, it's perfection. It was perfection. I really enjoyed it. And uh, this is this is what you get when you're trying to do this is what you get when you're trying to do YouTube ads. So I was trying to tee it all up. Let's pretend I did not say any of that and say, so all that being said. Keep on talking in the free world.